Today on Ag News Daily. I do think about how China is rebuilding their herd aggressively. So there'll come a point in the future where they won't need to be buying as much as they can. But for right now, it still looks really good for the American pork producer. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. It's another Ag News Daily podcast, and it is a Monday. I'm Ashton Carr, and I am joined by Delaney Howell. Delaney, how is your Monday going? It's going pretty good, Ashton. I just wrapped up a virtual call or a virtual webinar, if you will, with Corteva AgriScience. So that was pretty fun to do still a virtual event, you know, as companies are trying to transition and still do some stuff for their clients, just like we do here on the podcast. Absolutely. And I bet it was pretty interesting. And I I thought it was pretty cool myself that you were able to be a part of that. It was cool. And yeah, it's going to be kind of a four-part series. So it will be exciting to see how, you know, folks respond to it. Absolutely. Ladies and gentlemen, keep your eyes and ears peeled for that. But I have some news heading into the day, and I am following up with the Smithfield incident that I reported on. I believe it was last week, and they got hit with that fine for not really preparing for the COVID-19 pandemic. And we finally have some word from one of the executive vice presidents of Smithfield Foods, Dr. Demu Thamodarin. He says that despite doing everything it could, nothing could prepare the world's largest pork processor for the disruptions caused by COVID-19. And he was quoted as saying, once COVID hit the U.S., things changed overnight. Every business got affected, whether you were a pork business or any business, everything came to a grinding halt. And Dr. Thamodarin spoke during the Women in in Agribusiness virtual summit on Thursday, and he detailed how the disruption of food was upset by restaurant closers. Then he says plant workers started getting infected. And I have another quote here that says it starts with one, then eight, 28, 200. Because in the meat industry, people work in close proximity, beef, pork, poultry, everything, but nothing we can do about this COVID disease. So it caused a large problem in the supply chain. And he also said that as slaughter capacity gets closer to 100%, Smithfield is paying employees three and a half dollars more per hour to keep plants staffed and operating costs have doubled. But he says Smithfield's focus is on employee safety and supplying food, not on profits. All right. Well, I want to change our attention here for a moment to talk about some things going on at the Congress level. We know that, of course, sign up begins today for the CFAP2 program which will give a second round of coronavirus relief payments to farmers and also some additional commodities that didn't receive it in round one. But we also saw House Democrats key up a or draft up a bill, a government funding bill that leaves out agriculture from this round of aid. And so Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell said on Twitter that Farmers need to be a part of this, and it's not going to make it very far if that doesn't get changed to include agriculture as part of another relief payment. I think what they're talking about here is, you know, some sort of like CARES or HEROES Act 
sounds like they're working still again to put something together, but agriculture hasn't, you know, been included in a lot of the discussions so far. So we'll continue to watch that and see what happens. Absolutely. But another thing that I have my eye on is the North American International Livestock Exposition. And the 2020 Nolly remains scheduled for November, but will be a modified show only open to participants. And I have seen people talk on Twitter and probably Instagram as well, but talk about Nolly and being very excited that this livestock show is still going to happen but it is going to be very different than what we have seen in the past. And the decision to cut out the tens of thousands of spectators the event typically attracts was made to better comply with COVID-19 public health regulations. And from what I hear, participants will wear a special wristband to help with contact tracing and to limit capacity in barns. And media reports say the plans have not yet been approved by Kentucky Governor Andy Bashir, but that was reported on Friday, September 18th. So as of today, Monday, September 21st, I don't know if it has been approved thus far or not, but the entry deadline has moved to October 1st and the premium book and updates will be posted to the event website as they become available. So definitely some good news for our livestock showmen out there. Yeah, that is some good news. And, you know, it's nice to see things starting to slowly reopen and become available here in the United States. But it seems that is not the case when we turn our attention to Europe. They were largely in a reopening phase, just like we are here in the United States. But they just, as of Friday, uh, specifically in the UK, had new restrictions go into place because they're saying they are now seeing a second wave of extreme you know, COVID-19 cases coming in. And so other European countries following suit include Denmark, Greece, and Spain, because they've also introduced some new restrictions on activities. So uncertain how the restrictions will be placed and where the virus numbers go. But, uh, you know, that's definitely taking its toll on the international trade front. And, you know, I'm not going to say that was the reason for today's market pullbacks, but uh, that's definitely having an impact on, you know, more of the larger economics like the S&P and the Dow Jones and some of those. Yeah. And, you know, Delaney, I have some European news myself, but it doesn't really concern COVID-19. As you know, I've been following the African swine fever cases in Germany, and now we are starting to see prices for breeding piglets fall back. So these prices for wiener piglets in Germany have fallen sharply in the past weeks following the discovery of ASF in the wild boar in that country. And a producer or a trader Uh, was actually quoted as saying the uncertainty about the impact on pork sales, especially exports following the discovery is making farmers very cautious about buying more pigs for breeding. This will also hit farmers in countries which sell piglets to Germany for fattening, such as the Netherlands and Denmark. So we're starting to see the market, I guess, kind of fluctuate there. But prices in Germany were around 27 euros per breeding piglet on Monday, which was today. And 27 euros really transfers for about 32 US dollars. And that was compared to 40 euros a piglet before the first case of African swine fever was found on September 10th in Germany. 
And taking it back to pre-coronavirus, German prices for piglets were as high as 80 euros. So definitely seeing a major drop in, in those prices. So I will continue to see how that really affects pig, pig breeding and, and the prices of, of pork production in Germany. Yeah, that's uh, that's definitely going to be an interesting one to continue to watch, and uh, maybe I have to get Naomi Bloom's take on it here in just a little bit. But I tell you what, Ashton, I don't have a whole lot left for news for today, other than I just, you know, am excited to announce that I've finally seen some folks getting out there and harvesting. You know, I uh, was driving across most of I eighty over the weekend for. Bur- birthdays, family birthdays, and saw, you know, quite a few tractors finally hitting the road or hitting the fields, if you will, to get some fall field work in. So exciting to see that tractors or combines, I should say, are rolling. Um, And that's going to be, you know, a market factor here moving forward. Yeah, I actually saw on Twitter a few farmers hashtagging Harvest 2020 and, and preparing and getting in those fields today. So it's definitely pretty exciting, but I'm all out of news, Delaney. I am as well. So let's take a look and hop over to chat market closing market prices before we chat with Naomi Bloom for today's Market Monday segment. And as I mentioned, you know, prices pulled back today. So we'll get Naomi's take to see if this is just a little Monday reset or a sign that maybe we have seen, you know, this strange pre-harvest rally come to its end. Looking off here first in the December corn contract closing lower eight and three quarters cent today at 390 excuse me 369 and three quarters the march losing eight and a quarter to close at 379 and a quarter in the soybean pits the november contract shedding 21 cents today to close at 1022 and a half while the january losing 19 and three quarters cent to close at 1027 and a half in the Chicago wheat pits, the December contract pulling back 20 and a quarter cent to close at 554 and three quarters. The March down 19 and three quarters to close at 563 on the nose. In the livestock pits, weakness continues at the October live cattle contract shed 65 cents to close at 106.70. The December down $1.25 to close at 110.60. In the feeder cattle pits, a little mixed trading today as the October contract lost 17.5 cents to close at 142.25. The November, however, put on 20 cents to close at 142.72 and a half. And in the lane hog pits, weakness as the October contract gave up 90 cents today to close at 65.60. The December down $1.97 to close at $61.55. And of course, we've got to look at the dairy class three milk futures for today because Naomi is kind of our dairy resident expert. Looking off here at the October contract down just a nickel today to close at $19.54, while the November adding 22 cents to close at $18.92. Without further ado, let's kick it over to our conversation with Naomi Bloom for today's hashtag Market Monday conversation. Well, as promised, we are talking today with Naomi Bloom, Senior Market Advisor for Total Farm Marketing. Naomi, thanks for coming on today. I always love chatting markets with you. Yeah, it's good to be with you too. I appreciate it. Well, there's certainly not a shortage of topics to talk about today, but I want to start here, I think, with the obvious question, and that is what is going on and why did everything seem to hit a reset today and pull back? 
two things happening. One was the outside markets with the stock market being down hard and the dollar being up. The dollar was the only thing green on my screen today. Otherwise, everything else was pretty much red for lower prices. So that outside market influence was a factor. But when you look at the grains themselves, corn, beans, and wheat, all were extremely overbought on the daily chart. And all three were up against a new level of overhead resistance on charts. So for corn and wheat, they were up against a downtrending line that had been holding since early July, um, July of 2019. And then for the soybeans, looking at a monthly chart, they got up against the 1050 resistance area, which was actually a resistance point from 2018. So without any big fresh news to take us higher, uh, nothing really big and exciting happened over the weekend. I think we saw the profit taking start to kick in. It is going to be getting closer to the end of the month and the end of the quarter. So I think we're going to start to see some funds doing position squaring as they clean up the books so they can write down those profits for their um, account managers. Yeah, that makes sense, Naomi. I want to come back to that in a second. But you mentioned something at the beginning here about you know, stocks and the Dow and otherwise pulling back, was that all just related to the news that Europe is starting to kind of shut down again? I think that's a good part of it. The other thing that I think is going on, um, there's going to be some Fed meetings later in the week and um, just a lot of global uncertainty again right now. So I think just a kind of a combination of things. Gotcha. Okay. So Naomi, talking specifically here about grains, you mentioned that we've got a few resistance points. Let's talk corn here to start. You know, we've we've put in that resistance point, as you mentioned there, in 2019. What's it going to take for us to break through that resistance point? And then do you anticipate that we will? Or do you, I mean, do you think today's market reset, if you will, was just a reset? Or do you think that we're going to have a turnaround here and prices will start to head lower? Um, you know, Good question. Here's the short-term answer. We're due for a setback. We're due for a correction. And it wouldn't surprise me if we see that for the next couple of weeks. That actually parallels with the seasonal tendency for corn and beans looking at five-year patterns and 15-year patterns for prices to edge lower into the last uh, couple of weeks of September before finding a strong low on October 1st. Um, for corn to go higher, though, it needs more bullish news, and I think the bullish news has to come from soybeans. Uh, from early harvest yields I'm hearing on corn and people chopping corn silage, the corn is pretty darn good, especially um, you know throughout the Midwest, even in some parts of Iowa that weren't affected by the derecho storm. Um, we're hearing um, pretty darn decent yields. So I don't know that the corn yield is going to come down on USDA reports. But if the soybean yield comes lower, and we'll just start to get those soybean yields probably this week and next week, if the bean yields end up being perceived as lower than 50 bushels to the acre nationwide, that's the reason why beans could take the next leg up. And again, we're not going to find that out yet for another week or two when harvest really gets going for those beans, but the beans would rally and then that pulls the corn up with it. In and of itself, though, I think corn's kind of in a lull for news. It would take unexpected Chinese buying um, otherwise, um, but I think it's more tied to the soybeans. So if soybeans are going to wait here and see, you know, a week, two weeks out to find out what's realized or actually in the field, where do we trade until that time? 
Yep. So the November contract um, has really fantastic support at the $10 area, um, which would be another 22 cents lower. It would be a healthy correction. If we traded between like $10 and $10.25 for the rest of this week, uh, that would be healthy, a healthy correction. If $10 fails, though, uh, from a technical standpoint, then the next leg lower would be the 9.75 area. 9.75 gets us closer to the 21-day moving average, and then that's also what used to be resistance. Um, now would be the next leg lower of support. So $10, 9.75, and and based on you know the yields truly being lower and the demand being strong with the USDA cutting ending stocks the way they did on the report uh, just a couple of weeks ago, the bean story still has a long-term friendlier bias. But again. We'll know more once the yield comes out. Now, very important to note, if we start hearing from, well, it's better than I thought in terms of the yield, and if yield ends up being closer to trend line, um, you know, maybe more like 53 to 55, then the market could do a little bit of a deeper correction down to like 925. But again, we'll find out soon. We will find out soon. And, and you know, I think it I, I think it was your newsletter or maybe something you tweeted that said this was the first time since 2018 that soybeans have seen a plus $10 level. Yeah, isn't that? It is very exciting. And so for producers, you know, if we had 1050 futures and even today finishing up at 1022, depending on basis levels, you probably had a chance to actually price out some $10 beans and the market was absolutely wanting your soybeans, and it still does. So be sure to take advantage of this rally if you are able to in any way. Well, yeah, and Naomi, that's a way into the next question I had for both soybeans for those users they've probably priced a lot of their production already for this 2020 growing season how do they take advantage of this potential continued rally if they already have uh, sold quite a few of their physical bushels yeah so on any setback that we see over the next couple weeks um, it would be a good opportunity to be thinking of long-term re-ownership and to me that would mean getting out into um March or even all the way out to July of next year, you're going to want something that gets you through harvest, uh, the elections, the big January report, and then, of course, um, the weather for South America. And if, you know, we've been hearing all about it, if that La Nina actually happens and it's drier conditions down there, well, that'll keep market prices supported through winter. And then we'll have to make sure our bean crop and our corn crop have good conditions into next spring or summer. So the stars are finally aligning that we have a legitimate, potentially bullish story to tell if the bean yields you know, do come in lower. And with the Chinese buying that's occurred, um, they're expected to continue. They're expected to be needing that product. And then if that weather issue gets um, dicey this winter down in South America, it could finally change the stars for agriculture. And it's been, you know, a good eight, nine years since we've had a bullish market. So this is a time and situation where you got to be really aware of all of the marketing um, possibilities in front of you and dust off your marketing skills as far as how futures and options work and different options strategies. We're going to be using things out of the playbook that we haven't used since 2012 because some of those strategies we didn't you know, we haven't really needed because the market hasn't been doing anything. So now, now it's time to get uh, refreshed on your marketing. 
That is a good piece of advice there, Naomi. Get refreshed on your marketing. But for those of our folks who are livestock producers, should they be kicking themselves if they haven't locked in feed needs for the next couple of months? Oh, that is a good question. Um, Use the setback to be locking things in for sure. I think so. Um, Again, it goes with finding out where that bean yield is at. If the bean yield ends up being great, you're going to be able to buy at a much better level over the next few weeks. Um, But for the longer haul, there is that potential upside there. So do lock in what you can um, as we have an opportunity over the next couple of weeks. Naomi, I want to turn our attention here before we wrap things up to talking hogs and more more specifically African swine fever that's going on over there in Germany. Is that doing anything to cause any excitement in the lean hog market? You know, I had heard today that they found um, more cases of that in Germany today, like another four or five cases, I believe is what I read. So the concern would be, is that going to somehow spread throughout Europe? Um, And then it's been good, of course, for our market. It's keeping our exports strong. And last week, um, if you look at our cumulative year-to-date exports for the hog market, uh, we, we have exported 1.63 million metric tons, and that's up from 1.1 from a year ago. So our export market is strong with um, the unfortunate situation in Germany that's going to continue to have business come our way. So that's um, it's good for the hogs long term. They saw profit taking today also, um, but I think in the shorter term, the hogs have some more upside potential as well. Uh, but then I do think about how the China is rebuilding their herd aggressively. So there'll come a point in the future where they won't need to be buying as much as they can. But for right now, it still looks really good for the American pork producer. Awesome. Well, Naomi, before I let you go, remind folks that are listening how they can get in touch with you if they want to chat markets a little more in depth. Yeah. Um, feel free to give me a call, 800 334 9779, or you can email me. It's a pretty simple email address, Naomi at totalfarmmarketing.com. I'd love to visit with you. Fantastic. Well, Naomi, thanks again for chatting markets today. Yeah, thanks for having me. It was good to visit with you. It's always nice to hear from Naomi and always great to be a part of those market conversations. I am still kind of learning the ropes and trying to learn all I can from you, Delaney, because you guys just chat markets so well. Well, thank you, Ashton. We like to chat markets here on the Ag News Daily Podcast, and you can catch up on any of our past market conversations by heading to our website, agnewsdaily.com, or you can always interact with us on social media, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Ag News Daily. With that, Ashton, should we let the people go? Let's let them go.